well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, yes, we are going to be talking with Kai Kleffer of BioFire. I had a uh, very interesting conversation with uh, Kai uh, on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the first, what I hope will be at least a couple, because I, I will say we did not have time to get to every topic that uh, that I really wanted to get into. Uh, today's conversation focuses, I would say, more on the politics of smart guns, but I would love to have him back to talk specifically about the tech and not not even the the tech that makes this a quote unquote smart gun, right? The the biometric reader or the, uh, the scanner on the back of the gun, but actually how the gun operates, because that is a significant difference. Uh, and change from most firearms as well. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do, you know, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles of that organization. It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with your values, as we have seen recently here with corporate America. But do you make an effort to do businesses with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, do yourself a favor. And give Defender Ammunition a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated. Every person on their staff is military-connected. They're huge supporters of our military community. They back causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that have served. And in fact, all of the profits from their logoed gear at Defender Ammunition go directly to the charities that they back. All of the profits from their logoed gear. This company is one to support. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is fantastic. Do you know of any other shipping department that writes handwritten thank you notes to their customers? Give Defender Ammunition a try. Uh, trust me, once you do, you won't be going anywhere else. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. Again, that's DefenderAmmunition.com. Uh, and now, check out the conversation with the BioFire founder, Kai Klepfer. Again, appreciate to Kai joining us to talk about the, uh, the, the gun itself, uh, the reaction that is received, uh, and the, I'd say, selective uh, two A battles that BioFire has engaged in over the past couple of months. Take a look and a listen. Kai, first of all, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's really good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for having me, Cam. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I think one of the things that has differentiated what BioFire is doing from some of what we've seen in the past is your openness and willingness to engage uh, with gun owners. And I think this is uh, by design, is it not? Absolutely. Like I'm gun owner myself, so I think it'd be a little silly for me to, to not want to engage with gun owners. But um, a big portion of what we're doing is, you know, we think we've built the world's best home defense handgun, um, but we're not expecting people to take our words for it, right? And we want to go out there and prove that. And the best way we can do is show up, answer questions, and uh, have folks try to poke holes in it, you know? So how long has BioFire been in development now? Depends on how you count. Uh Personally, I've been working on smart guns as a sort of idea and space for about 11 years. I actually started working on it as a high school science fair project uh, back in uh, back in 2012. Um, but BioFire as a company has been operating for uh, about four or five years now since uh, 2018. I, I dropped out of MIT, took a Teal Fellowship, uh, which is this program where, where Peter Teal pays you to drop out of college. It's Great deal. Um, and uh, started the company full time back then. And then we've been building our current production product, uh, which I, I actually brought one with me here today if we want to talk through things. Um, but building our current production product for uh, about three years since the beginning of 2020. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let, let's let's talk about the product because when it comes to smart guns, um, there is no one uh, smart gun technology, right? We've seen the sort of wearable tech 
where, you know, your ring or your watch or something will sort of, you know, connect uh, to the firearm or otherwise authorized users. Um, you've got the biometrics. What 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 makes BioFire smart, quote unquote? Totally. So when we think about a smart gun, we think about a firearm that has the fundamental capability of always being locked by default, but then instantly accessible for the owner, right? The fundamental thing that we see as a smart gun doing differently than a traditional firearm is anytime that firearm is outside of your control or somebody that you've chosen to enroll in the firearm, it's going to be locked and unusable, right? And whether that's a, a kid who's found it in a nightstand, uh, a teenager who's gotten access to it, a criminal that's taken away from you in, in some sort of close quarters situation, all of those are situations where that firearm should be locked and unusable. And so our product, as you said, there's been lots of previous attempts at smart guns, lots of different ways people thought about approaching kind of the same concept. We've chosen a, a pure biometric approach, right? So our product has a fingerprint sensor that's set into the grip. Uh, it's kind of right here underneath your, your middle finger um, of your dominant hand, as well as a, a 3D facial recognition system that's uh, here on the back. The way it works is as soon as you start to interact with the firearm, uh, it immediately starts to try to recognize your fingerprint and your face. And if it sees either one of the two, the gun will unlock and then stay unlocked for as long as you are holding on to it. Um, and with the intent of, you know, we want to provide an experience that's very seamless. If you know how to use a traditional handgun, there's no additional steps, there's no additional buttons, like all of your existing training and malfunction drills and you name it, it's all going to be equally applicable. Uh, you just really pick it up and it works. We want to have that really fade in the background. We chose not to pursue RFID or rings or tokens or things like that for a couple of reasons. The fundamental one is we're designing this handgun for home defense, right? We, we do believe this is the best firearm for home defense because you can access it quicker than any firearm that's stored in a gun safe and you have the best protection of uh, it being used by somebody who you don't intend. Uh, that really starts to be compromised if you have some sort of physical token or key, basically, right? That would allow you to unlock the gun. Like let's say you had a ring or a wristband. Great. Well, then either you're committing to wearing that perfectly 24-7, never ever taking it off and never making a mistake, or you have to put it in a gun safe. And at that point, why'd you buy a smart guy, right? Just go get a Glock. Um, and so the we've chosen a pure biometric approach because you can never forget them. You don't have to keep track of them. You don't have to worry about losing control of them. Um, and for that really key use case of you just woke up in the middle of the night, you're groggy, you have no idea what's going on, just rolling over and picking up a gun just like you would normally is, I think, in practice, kind of the only thing that might actually happen. Okay. So... Um... In that regard, I, I by the way, I, I I like the fact, and you know, listen, you've you've seen what I've written. I am uh, I'm not the target market for smart guns, and I'll admit right. that right up front. Um, yeah. But I've said all along, my opposition to smart guns is not the guns themselves; it's the mandates that uh, you know a lot of politicians okay. want to put in place. Um, and I like the fact that you've got not just one tech but 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 two and and you only need one for the gun to work because that provides a fail safe uh which is something that you know i've heard a lot of gun owners talk about with biometrics for example if you've ever tried to open up or unlock your smartphone uh and it's raining uh and you know your the, the screen is wet or maybe even your hands are sweaty it's you know summer and your your hands are sweaty right. it can take some time um seems to be like having that facial recognition alleviates the concern that that would be the case how does this work in a low light situation? Like if you're asleep, you got your biofire gun beside you. It's dark, obviously. Uh, you wake up uh, for whatever reason, let's say, you know, maybe your hand isn't gripping the gun just right. Um, does that does that facial recognition feature work in low light situations? Does it have to be, you know, 100 watt bulb uh, behind you? What, what's going on with that? 
No, it, it actually works better in the dark uh, than it does in the sunlight. It works perfectly kind of in any ambient conditions. And the reason for that is uh, it's an infrared 3D facial recognition system. So basically it's not reliant on any ambient light conditions. In fact, we, we filter out any of the ambient light. We don't care if the sun's right behind you. We don't care if you got a 100 watt bulb. We don't care if it's the middle of a perfect pitch dark night. Uh, the gun itself is actually producing all the illumination uh, that, that it needs to basically see your face. Um, and this is not visible in person, but you can actually see here as I start to interact with this, um, you see sort of that kind of flash there on the back. I'm deliberately mm -hmm. not touching the fingerprint sensor, so it won't unlock. Um, that flash there on the back, it's only visible to the camera here. It's not visible in real life. That's actually that infrared illuminator that's uh, basically like uh, taking a picture kind of of, in this case, uh, a camera, but taking a picture of your face as you're interacting with it. Um, our goal here, as I said previously, like we we're building this for home defense, right? And, and if you can buy a handgun legally in your jurisdiction, you're welcome to buy our product and use it for whatever you feel is appropriate. But the key use case that we want to make sure it's really perfect for is home defense. And that includes, in most cases, unpredictable, middle of the night, you don't know what's going on. And, and you know, that also includes, hey, what if you have to step up back into a rainstorm? Or what if you live in Arizona in the middle of summer, and it's 110 out, um, or you live in Alaska in the middle of winter, and it's, you know, freezing. Um, all of those are situations that we consider as part of an expansive view of like what home defense looks like. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's really good to know. Um, now, one of the other things that I've seen uh, the 2A community be uh, at least mildly critical of uh, is, is the decision uh, not to release um, BioFire uh, uh, products for testing and evaluation to independent mm -hmm. reviewers. Um, can you talk about why you made that decision and whether or not you'll revisit that in the future once the product line is you know up and running a little bit more smoothly? Yeah, so just to be clear, there's been no decision not to review, re release review units. We've been doing demos uh, almost every day for the last couple months uh, with all sorts of folks from the firearms industry, as well as from mainstream media, you name it. Uh, right now, we're doing uh, demos in our range here in Colorado, right? So indoors, uh, controlled environments. Mostly that's just because we have a very limited number of units available. Um, and so uh, we don't have the units available to like send out to reviewers to take home or to take to their ranch and drop in buckets of solvents or, you know, things like that. Um, but right now, what we're doing is we're asking customers to put refundable deposits, $150 refundable deposits down, basically to save their place in line. And the reason we chose that structure is we want the opportunity to really fully, I would say, prove out, including, I think, importantly, with independent reviewers, uh, the feature set, the functionality, the claims that we're making about the product before we're asking anybody to put that full non-refundable sort of final payment down to actually take delivery of the product. And so throughout this year, we expect to be able to be making a lot of units available uh, to reviewers, both for like demos uh, outside of Colorado, uh, as well as for folks to, to take to their ranch uh, and, and uh, you know, give it a real tryout in the environment. So uh, there's definitely been no decision in any way to like not have those units available. We're just mm -hmm. very constrained on the of, of, of uh, basically pre-production units we have available right now. So okay, well, that is in the next couple months. That is good to know. I will get my bucket of solvent ready when uh, when you're ready to start shipping to Virginia. Mark, Mark, we'll also I... be sending the user manual that will say don't drop <laughs> in a bucket of solvent. So drop in a bucket of solvent and things go poorly. Uh, that, that's that's not on us, but yes. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, again, I kind of hinted at this earlier. You've made a, a couple of moves that I'm aware of that I think have been. Um, very smart in terms of both gun owner outreach, but also very smart for biofires development, quite frankly. Um, the smart gun mandate in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a story, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, where uh, you said, look, we're not going to submit uh, biofire to this commission that's been set up to approve smart guns. Um, you're not interested in being a part of any mandate. 
Why is that? I mean, this would obviously, if you, if you can be guaranteed a spot in every gun store in New Jersey, which admittedly is, you know, not, not a ton of gun stores, but, uh, but why, why are you not in favor of a, a mandate that at least says you have to make these guns available for sale once they are uh, come to the market? Yeah, it's super simple. The, we view this as a choice, right? And I think it has to be a choice. Um, I know I've said this like five times already, but like I do legitimately from a technical perspective, believe we built the best home defense handgun, but I can't like legislate that, right? I, I, I can't go to people and like, well, you just have to, this this only thing you can buy now, um, let alone even something like the New Jersey, which is, uh, it's not so much a mandate, more just a, again, a requirement that gun stores have certain signage and, and stock one of them. Um, you know, in practice, we could probably just buy a free gun for every gun store and they can go stick it in the corner and like, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, but even that, like it doesn't go, it doesn't, it's not in line with our values and it's not what the customers want, right? Like none of our customers are going to choose to purchase a smart gun because there's a government mandated sign in the corner of some gun store in New Jersey, right? And in fact, like that just makes it harder for us to build positive relationships with the, you know, the gun stores, right? The folks that people are going to be going to, to be getting training to use their smart gun, to, to be getting help and, and, you know, going to, to purchase ammo and all the other stuff that you need just to, you know, own, own a gun beyond just firearm itself. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. And so at the end, like I've been fighting against mandates and been against mandates for this technology since the very beginning. And like, that's on the record. You can go find very, very old news articles of me as a literal child saying this. Um, and the reason for that is I think this has to be a free market approach, right? We we want to build a product that people are going to choose to purchase, right? It is a bit of a premium price point, like they're going to choose to pay the premium price point because they see the value it can bring to their use case to how they own firearms. Um, but it has to be their choice, right? And, and mandates, requirements, things like that really go against that. Um, and so we've engaged, whether it's New Jersey, uh, we followed a, an amicus brief in uh, uh, the Bolin Vivante case in California along these lines recently. Like uh, this has been something that we've engaged in quite effectively. And I think is a big portion of how we're thinking about approaching this space. Yeah, well, I mean, when you talk about Bolin versus Bonner, I think it makes even more sense for, for you to take the position that you have because under California's Unsafe Handgun Act, Biofire is not considered a safe handgun, right? I mean, you are not able to sell this product uh, in California under existing law. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, though, about do you take a position on other issues that do not directly impact Biofire? Um, for instance, you you all are it's a Colorado company, right? Yep. Yeah, we're in Colorado. So does Biofire take a stance on things like High capacity magazine bans, red flag laws, uh, bans on so-called assault weapons. Uh, do you either personally or or Biofire as a company weigh in on these things? It's a great question. So every time that we talk through things like this, the way that I think about these decisions internally, the way a company approaches this is very much uh, going back to what serves our customers, right? Um, and one of the things that I'm super excited about is we've seen folks purchase our product in every single state in the country. Um, in almost every single jurisdiction in the country. Uh, California is our largest market um, in terms of, of purchases. And again, that's one of the reasons why we're engaging uh, in Bull and Vivanta, um, as well as, you know, obviously followed by Texas and Florida. And Texas is close enough, catching up pretty, pretty fast here. But uh, the way that we approach this is, I think BioFire's goal is to expansively serve our our customers as best as we can. Um, and those customers have all sorts of different opinions about pretty much any aspect of, of, of guns in general. Um, I say personally, like I own multiple short barrel rifles um, and lots of other things that you would consider to be uh, you know, an assault weapon under Colorado law. And I would have personally been impacted by that piece of regulation. And so certainly that was not something I was personally in favor of. Um, but from a company perspective, 
we're really laser focused on like, how can we build an effective community for all of our customers and one that it serves their needs? And so again, if it's things like the micro stamping requirements, if it's things like the New Jersey mandate um, that are directly related to our product, we engage. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're a member of the NSSF and we pay our dues just like everybody else. Okay. What about you personally though? Um, because, I, you know, again, I, I think that you've done a really good job of trying to build that organic relationship um, with gun owners, with the Second Amendment community, understanding the skepticism. Totally. But, you know, to to have the creator of, you know, the first commercially available smart gun come out and say, hey, you know what? I think gun bans are the wrong idea. I think, uh, you know, targeting the the firearm as opposed to uh, targeting the the end user. Um, I think that I mean that would go a long way, uh, not only towards establishing your credibility within the two A community, but I think that would have a. I think it would have a significant impact, uh, perhaps, on the gun control debate, certainly in Colorado, and perhaps uh, even more broadly than that. Yeah, for what it's worth, um, I've always viewed my personal opinions as my personal opinions, right? And one of my key jobs, I think, as a CEO, right, and as a founder of a company is to build uh, a viable business, right, and to build one that's going to serve the needs of our customers for a long term, right? And so um, I'm not... I'm not quiet by any means about my opinions, and you'll see, you know, see lots of my opinions and lots of interviews just like this one. Um, but I, I really do think that, like, it's my job, my responsibility to like drive and build an effective strategy for the company, right, and one that again serves our customers. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't really want to use, even if, yeah, sure, a lot of folks have talked about me personally uh, over the past couple months, et cetera. The reason they've talked about me is because of the work that we're doing as a company, right? And I, I don't want to abuse that platform too much, if that makes sense, in terms of this isn't really about me in a lot of ways, in terms of I want to see the company succeed and I don't want to like leverage that too much. I, I, and I understand that. Um, but can you separate yourself and even to, to some degree, can you separate biofire from the larger debate over gun control in this country? Because again, when you talk about you're not in favor of mandates, I mean, in essence, that's what gun control, the, the traditional gun control model is, right? We're going to mandate um, what people can own. We're going to mandate uh, where they can use it. We're going to mandate, you know, all of these things. Yep. Can you can you can you sidestep all of these hot button issues and still serve the company and your customer base, knowing that, again, you've got a broad customer base, right? There might be uh, I'm sure there are customers out there who, who are in favor of uh, banning so-called assault weapons or, you know, they're in favor of these things. Um, that is, that a, is that a tightrope you have to walk? And do you think at some point you're going to have to fall down on one line or the other? Like our objective is no, right? Like our goal is, I think, is like to not like be on one side or the other of like the issue necessarily from a broader perspective. Um, because as you said, like we have customers that have a lot of opinions about products that don't really impact us and don't impact our product. Um, I think obviously no, like we're not disconnected in any way, right? Like we're a part of the firearms industry and it is certainly like we internally, I'd say have a lot of very healthy uh, debates about exactly topics like this, right? Because we have folks that similarly approach this from all different perspectives. We got folks with arsenals, right? Uh, who work here and we've had folks that had never shot a gun before working in biofire, right? And so we I, I, internally and from an ongoing perspective, I actually like to encourage and foster a lot of debate around these topics of like, what can we be doing to, be serving our customers and the you know the country more broadly i would say and the one that we've chosen is how can we build technology that is inherently better for gun owners and better for society right like if people choose to adopt our product nobody will argue and say yeah like less kids finding guns and maybe having bad things happen like nobody's against that right and so if we can 
But the only way that we can have impact there is if people choose to buy our product. Um, and so it won't solve the entirety of you know the impacts of of guns on our society. It won't solve by any means uh, the like you know the Second Amendment versus like gun control debates. Um, but there's a lot of I think very honestly much smarter than me people who have been engaged in this issue um, much more actively. And uh, at some point, you got to pick and choose your battles a little bit. I I agree. Um, although I will tell you, Kai, I think at some point the battles are going to pick and choose you. I, I don't think you're going to be able to, to, to duck and weave uh, your way out of all of these uh, conversations. Um, but listen, again, I, I truly do appreciate you sitting down with me and I hope that you'll do this again. I would love to, uh, to have you back on the program. Um, so, so tell me where you guys are. I know obviously you're taking pre-orders right now. And as you say, uh, you've gotten pre-orders from every state of the country, by the way, how are you able to get orders from California? Are you, yeah, so we're, we're allowed to accept pre-orders in California. Um, okay. And then basically, uh, if there's any reason that we won't be able to deliver in a given jurisdiction, uh, we obviously will be fully refunding our customers. Um, but uh, as of right now, like we expect to be able to deliver in California. Um, there are new firearms being approved on the California roster. Um, and we are otherwise California compliant, right? So the silly little chamber flag and the magazine disconnect and stuff like that um, are features that you know have been implemented in other firearms and that we've implemented into the California version of our product. Um, and so again, the UHA and Bolden Vivanta in general is obviously a rapidly evolving political situation. Uh, but we are, as, a, as we move into first deliveries like very late this year with like substantive deliveries really occurring predominantly next year uh, on that timeline we expect to probably be seeing some shifts in the overall california environment and again if for any reason that doesn't happen we'll refund our customers but as i said it's our biggest market um and one that we're, we're very committed to making sure we can address sure um one last question uh, and i don't know if you'll even be able to answer this but um can you give us a rough idea of, of how many firearms you were hoping to produce this year this year, very few. Um, okay. So, like right now, we're in the process of uh, scaling up for manufacturing, um, the final sort of like component selection, iteration on final coatings, things like that. Um, all, all the fundamental, novel, technical problems of uh, again our approach to electronic fire control, all the software, the hardware, the fundamental portions of the gun. You know, does it shoot good? All that kind of stuff um, is like we've solved, but there's a lot of just small tweaks to make sure that not just units that we build are really reliable, but at every single unit that comes off the line is super reliable. So that's the core focus right now. And then that will result in, you know, we're looking at first deliveries of our kind of founders edition units um, for late this year. And then the thousands of pre-orders that we've already received will be pushing in next year. So substantive manufacturing at scale will be happening starting in Q1 of next year. Um, for well, starting Q4 of this year for Q1 deliveries and Q2 deliveries next year. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen again, I appreciate you spending a, a little bit of time with us today. Um, I hope that you'll come back at some point in the future because uh, I would love to continue the conversation. But again, I, I, I certainly appreciate your openness. Um, and I think that, uh, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind here about biofire. I, uh, and I hope that uh, others will as well. Well, I do thank uh, Kai Kleffer for joining us on the program and uh, hope that he will come back at some point in the future so we can talk about what's actually inside uh, BioFire and what makes BioFire beyond the, again, the biometrics and all of the uh, quote-unquote smart gun technology, what, what makes this different from, uh, well, almost every other farm on the market, quite frankly. Uh, right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Actually, before we do that, I know you guys have definitely noticed that the U.S. dollar continues to buy less, right? Last year, the average IRA and 401k balance fell by more than 20%. If we learned anything 
from the past few years is that anything can and will happen. Here's something that may help, a gold IRA. Gold may be a great option for you. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. Many central banks are buying tons right now. What does that tell you? Augusta Precious Metals is a gold IRA company that offers its customers the opportunity to invest in gold. You can call Augusta Precious Metals and learn how a gold IRA can help you. If you've saved $100,000 or more for retirement, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their free ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them you heard it here on our show, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open up a gold IRA. Contact Augusta Precious Metals and diversify your retirement today. Call 855-222-4997. That's 855-222-4997. Again, 855-222-4997. All right, so let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of Providence, Rhode Island. You know, in Rhode Island, Democrats have uh, been passing all kinds of gun control laws aimed at you, me, other responsible gun owners, right? Bans on, quote unquote, large capacity magazines, trying to uh, get a ban on so-called assault weapons uh, through the legislature. Meanwhile, you got stories like this popping up. Providence police arrest 19-year-old man on warrant for murder after Oldieville Park shooting. As it turns out, this 19-year-old is no stranger to the law. According to authorities, Kevin Geron, 19 years of age, tracked down in the city on Wednesday evening, arrested on a warrant for murder. Uh, he is accused of killing 19-year-old Juan Carlos Morales after an argument while the men were hanging out and drinking in a, a local park on Saturday night. According to authorities, Morales tried to walk away during that argument, but Geron followed and shot him in the chest. Morales, the uh, sixth homicide in Providence this year. It's also the third time... In 13 months, that Jerron has been charged with a gun-related offense in Providence. Yeah, the Boston Globe reports that Jerron pleaded no contest last August to shooting a firearm. We don't know the circumstances there, but we do know a judge gave Jerron a six-month suspended sentence with probation and uh, ordered him to undergo alcohol counseling. That same month, Gerard was charged with carrying a firearm without a license. Now, 19 years of age, simply possessing a firearm without a license. I don't think that should be a crime, uh, but it is in Rhode Island, right? And again, this is the, we need these tough gun laws on the books. What happens when a 19-year-old who, who's already been in court for shooting a firearm, what happens when he goes back to court for illegally carrying a gun? Nothing happens. That's what happens. He was uh, released on $5,000 surety bail order to submit, again, to alcohol monitoring, which apparently either he didn't do or the state didn't do or neither party did. Because, again, police say that he was drinking at that uh, local park when he shot his friend, uh, allegedly, on Saturday night. Yeah, still out on bail, according to police, when he uh, shot and killed Morales. Police still haven't found the gun there. But here again... You know, we can dispute whether or not the laws that Jerron was uh, originally charged with before the murder should be crimes at all, but they are criminal offenses in Rhode Island. We have been assured that they are vitally important statutes, but they don't go far enough, which is why we need magazine bans, which is why we need gun bans, which is why red flag laws and all this other stuff. But what actually happens when somebody is arrested and charged with these offenses? Nothing. So maybe, just maybe, the answer here lies in uh, improving the criminal justice system and enforcing the laws that are already in the books, as opposed to putting more laws in place in Rhode Island. Today's Armed Citizen story from uh, rural Texas, where authorities say a, a burglar was held at gunpoint by an uh, alert witness outside the town of Burke Burnett. 
uh, on uh, Tuesday evening. The uh, suspect, 32-year-old Taylor West, booked on uh, four charges, bond set to about uh, $90,000. Deputies uh, called out to a property north of uh, Burke Burnett about 7.30 Tuesday night. They were told that a man had a possible burglary at gunpoint at the entrance of that property. It was not the homeowner, apparently. It was just a, a witness said it was driving by and saw a vehicle parked inside the entrance of the property with no one in or around it. Um, again, given this is a rural area, small town, I'm sure the guy driving by knew the owner of that uh, home. Uh, he also knew that there had been a recent burglary attempt there. And so he parked his car, went to check, found a guy opening a door to the garage. That's when he drew his firearm, called 911, held the suspect at gunpoint until deputies showed up. Uh, when they did, they said they found uh, West had a backpack with boxes of ammo that had been taken from the home. Also had five IDs in his wallet that belonged to at least two other people. Found several other items taken from inside the house, inside the garage, as well as a box containing methamphetamine. Authorities also say that uh, West has several other criminal cases pending, as well as a, a previous theft conviction. Um, you know, I, hmm, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to put a pin in this story because I have a sneaking suspicion that Mr. West might end up as a future recidivist report entry here, as opposed to being a part of uh, today's Armed Citizen uh, update. Uh, now, today's good deed of the day, Tulsa County, Oklahoma, where the uh, sheriff's office praising a good Samaritan who uh, they say helped in the arrest of a man accused of assault. It didn't just help in the arrest. I mean, really, if it weren't for the actions of this good Samaritan, uh, this guy probably never would have been charged with a crime to begin with. Um, we don't know the name of this good Samaritan, but what uh, authorities have said is that he was driving um, around the uh, town of Owasso, Oklahoma. And he spotted a guy uh, later identified as a man named Robert Grayson and the victim. Um, and he saw Grayson actually attack the woman inside the car. First, he noticed the car was swerving on the road. Tulsa County Sheriff's Office uh, said as he got closer to the vehicle to see what was going on, he could see that the male driver was physically attacking the female passenger. Casey Roebuck with the uh, Tulsa County Sheriff's Office says it was brutal. It was violent. She was being hit. She was being punched. And this guy uh, called authorities, stayed on the line with them the entire way from Owasso to Tulsa. It's about 40 miles or so. At one point, the victim tried to jump out of a car or out of the car at a, a red light. Um, when she did so, Grace apparently sped up. The victim was thrown out of the vehicle. Uh, deputies say Grayson kept driving. And the uh, witness followed Grayson all the way back to his apartment where officers were able to uh, make an arrest. Robick said, I find another short of remarkable. And he is to be committed. He also did so safely. He didn't confront the suspect in this case. He observed and he reported. He did this perfectly. She added, uh, let this be a, a warning to potential abusers. You're doing this in a public place. People are watching. This is Oklahoma. There are good people everywhere. When good people see what's happening and get involved, they will help put you away. So it doesn't matter how scared your victim is. If other people witness this and they get involved, it's over for you. Victim taken to a local hospital for her injuries, but it looks like she is going to recover uh, Grayson now facing charges. The uh, Good Samaritan, uh, again, unidentified, but uh, hopefully at this point he will uh, get some praise. Might have to show up to testify at some point if this case does go to trial. Um, as for the uh, comments about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the witness uh, doing so safely, not confronting the suspect in this case, observing and reporting, um, you know, in this case, and I, I wrote at Barry and Arms yesterday, I, I, I get so annoyed by law enforcement say, well, you know, the best thing to do is to just be a good witness. 
I don't believe that that is always the case. I truly don't. If you have the opportunity to intervene, I believe that you should. Uh, but in this case, it probably was the safest thing to do for everybody involved, including the victim. Because at this point, you've already got a violent driver, clearly has no concern for her safety or well-being. You don't know what uh, kind of concern he has for his own. Uh, so we don't know if the witness even had a firearm. Uh, but it probably was the better idea to uh, to hang back. I imagine the most difficult part of that would have been when the woman was thrown from the vehicle. Do you stop and help her? Do you continue following this guy uh, and, and help authorities uh, locate him? Um, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing this uh, witness was relying on some of those other good folks in Oklahoma to uh, help the the victim in this case as he continued to pursue the suspect. Honestly, the only question I have here is why did it take so long for law enforcement to get to the scene? If if this witness is on the phone with them driving from Owasso to Tulsa, were there no highway patrol officers around that could have uh, intercepted this suspect? I, I, I am a little confused about that. Um, and I hope that we maybe get some more clarification as to why there was no intervention uh, you know, for the 40 miles or so that this guy was uh, driving and assaulting the uh, woman in the car. Don't know if this was, you know, again, staffing shortages. Don't know if uh, maybe jurisdictional issues. I, again, don't know the answer, but that does seem a little concerning to me, to say the least. Uh, again, thankfully, the story has a semi-happy ending where the victim is going to recover. Uh, again, I'm not certain that the uh, suspect in this case is going to face justice, but uh, we'll keep our eyes on the story and bring more details as they become available. Now, unfortunately, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I'm looking forward to being back with you again on Monday. But don't forget to check out BearingArms.com, the website. Uh, between now and then, we are constantly updating the uh, a page with all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. The good, the bad, and the ugly as well. Hopefully more good than bad uh, over the next couple of days. And uh, again, if you want to be a part of it, I certainly would appreciate it. In fact, if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here soon. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.